You're tuning into 8 o'clock somewhere. Today we talk with Lisa Nguyen, founder of Bobbles and Souls and recent Shark Tank contestant. Lisa gives us the behind the scene details of her Shark Tank episode and her journey to entrepreneurship. Sharks have gone out, but Lisa is not giving up easily in trying to get a deal for her interchangeable kids' shoe company, Bobbles and Souls. Could we de-risk it? Can you what? Can I de-risk it? So for $100,000, how about if we pay you that back in two years from the revenue that we make, from the profits that we make? I know this company is going to work, and I know that I'm here for for a shark. This has been our biggest dream and we're here. But you're never, you listen, you're not going to fail. You're, you're not going to fail. I'll give you 100000 for 25%. Damon, you got a deal. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I got to be in business with you. You're amazing. You really didn't give up there, huh? Um, you know, I just, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite um, unwavering, really, when I really um, have my heart set on something. I mean, it was very hard, though. I, I have to tell you, just as I was listening to the um, you know, the playback, I, I just remember um, what it was like to be in the tank and, and the immense relief when Damon said uh, yes. So, no, yes, I'm, I'm really glad that it <laughs> yeah. turned out that way. <laughs> it must be really emotional just hearing it uh, play over again. But tell us a little bit more about how that moment actually felt when all of the sharks went out. Uh, and for anybody that didn't see the episode, basically... Uh, you had done your pitch for your company, Bobbles and Souls. Um, all of the sharks declined to invest in your company, and then you you pretty much j- just didn't leave. You stayed there, and you kept persisting. How did that feel? Um, well, you know, I think that when, as each shark went out, I, I definitely felt the sinking um, feeling in my stomach. I just had this intention to be on Shark Tank and to land a deal for, you know, for the year. But I really just held on to that goal and that dream. And I was standing there and that dream was happening, but it was quickly turning into just, you know, not the ideal dream. Right. <laughs> um, and I just remember, I remember at one point after Mark Cuban said that he was out and um, the next person I think was uh, Mr. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I knew where it was going. And I remember looking out at them and thinking, no, I refuse to take this as the outcome. I refuse to believe that this is the outcome. It's going to be the outcome that I want it to be. Um, and I think I, you know, just, I, I don't know. I, I was just so relieved when David came back in and, and, and offered us a deal. So, I mean, obviously, I knew that I didn't want them to be like, okay, you got to leave now. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it was still at a point where I felt like we could um, you know we we could uh, convince them. I mean, we we had other offers of of investment for the company, and we turned them all down because we knew that we were there for a shock, and we were really adamant about that. So um, I, I think that certainly Damon was the ideal shock for us, and he is still obviously, and and when he was the first one out. So that was, you know, very difficult to handle. But when he came back in again, it was, you know, I think in the editing, there was like this slight pause in my reaction. (laughs) But to be quite honest with you, what happened in the tank was I looked at my husband 
to kind of make sure that we were on the same page. And he had this wonderful smile on his face and he was nodding. <laughs> and then I, I turned back immediately and said, yes. So that's awesome. That, it wasn't as long as that pause. That's <laughs> that awesome. Well, super big congratulations on the, on the deal. Um, tell us. So what's it like behind the scenes at the tank, uh, the shark tank? What, what kind of things happened off camera that we didn't get to see? Right. So I think that, you know, our entire pitch was a lot longer than that. It would be the whole um, negotiation and the time that we spent in the tank was, um, from my understanding, it was a good 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, and, you know, they spent a lot of time kind of getting to know us and hearing our backstory. Not a lot of that made it on air. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and there were, you know, there was certain conversation that I had really hoped was going to be um, highlighted just issues that I really cared about um, that wasn't picked up but you know we spent at least 45 minutes in the tank there was a lot of back and forth um, Laurie certainly tried on the shoes and said, said that they were so wonderfully comfortable um, and awesome. um, yeah so that kind of was that time I mean we it happened really quickly and it was it was a bit of a blur to be quite honest with you because we were just on this big adrenaline rush the entire time but right right I, I remember the executive, <laughs> yeah. um, I remember the executive producer, uh, Max, he, he said to us, he said, look, you guys are going to go in there and you're going to pitch and fight and pitch. And if you come out and you're not completely exhausted, then you did not like fight enough, hard enough in the tank. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And, um, <laughs> I remember when I walked out, I was, I was so dead. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it was, it was and you really have to get a little there with like all of your fires like right. ignited. Right. It must have been really relieving too, especially kind of see, everything sort of flew by. You got there. You probably did some uh, prepping and rehearsal stuff with the executive producer. You get out there in the tank. Uh, everything kind of whizzes by. And then all of a sudden, everything's about to fall through the, the cracks and you're about to lose the deal. Um, and then it turns around quickly. You get the deal that you wanted. Uh, you must have just felt exhausted, relieved. Uh, yeah. I bet you celebrated a lot that night. Oh, gosh, Travis. I mean, I'm, we are just so grateful for the outcome and what happened. Um, it was, we celebrate, I think we celebrated just kind of like passed out on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the journey of Shark Tank, and, you know, I admire all the entrepreneurs who've come before us and all the ones that will come after us. But, you know, that journey is actually a really quite a, an involved journey. It took really a year from the application process to the date that we aired. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, Shark Tank is such an amazing entity and they've definitely got all of the processes, you know, nailed down. Um, but the prep process was quite intense. Um, and, um, you know, we, it was so amazing to have gone through that. I think that from when we first kind of applied to kind of working behind the scenes with the producers to actually getting to pitch, like that, that was a good, that was a year. And for most people, it's oh, wow. from six months to a year. So it is definitely very involved. Yeah. 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 That's a long time. And a, a lot can change in the business in a year, too. You know, you, you could have. Right prepared your application with completely different numbers and trajectories than you had when you actually got to Uh, the tank. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, I, 
we, you know, we actually launched May of 2018. So by the time we got into the tank, the business had already been um, just like just a year old, really, at, at that point. And uh, during this whole, uh, you know, and, and I was also pregnant when we launched the business seven months. So we also had like another baby during that entire time. Um, so, you know, it, it definitely, and, and then we had the Shark Tank experience um, side by side as well. So it was uh, definitely one of the most uh, incredible years <laughs> I bet. So your backstory is living in a refugee camp for three years, fleeing from Vietnam with your mother, and then moving to Australia. I mean, what was that transition like for you? Um, can you go into more about growing up? Sure. So I spoke a little bit about this. This was something that the producers had wanted me to kind of touch on when, when I was in the tank. Okay. Um, and it was kind of just the, you know, the boat people experience. So I'm getting by ethnicity and we left Vietnam when I was four years old, just my mother and I. She was a big mother. And um, at the time that we were, like, exiting Vietnam, you know, over a million people exited during this um, during this period after the, the fall of Saigon. And, um, you know, 25% of people kind of, like, died at sea. So it was, oh, wow. at the very least, you know, it wasn't going to be a fun journey and your chances of not making it was, was pretty high. And everybody who's getting me somebody who disappeared during that period, you know. So it was, and I, and I remember my grandfather, you know, he had raised me um, from when I was a baby because my mother was a single mother. And mm-hmm. he, I, I just I just remember him, like, the night that we left. And I was very young, but I do remember, you know, being held by him and him crying. But, you know, he had to muffle his cry for fear that other people would hear it and we would be reported and oh my thrown into jail. But uh. he was crying, and I remember him saying to my mother, he said, you know, just, just leave her at home, and I'll look after her. Like, like, can you just go? Just leave her at home. And I remember she said, she said, you know, Daddy, if we die, we'll die together. And, and, and you know, and, and I'm so grateful that she kind of took that, um, made that really hard decision, because what it meant, what it meant was that I was, you know, able to, to grow up in Australia, I was given a really great education. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in freedom, and, and, and you know, and now have um, the protections that I do. Being being a person who belongs to a, a you know a country that, that, that believes in freedom. So yeah, I mean, uh, that was definitely kind of the experience of the, the refugee camp. It was I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was very scary for a lot of the adults, but you know, I was really young at the time, so it was just Right. It was, you were just kind of living the days, you know, and accepting whatever the realities was. And we were um, in a refugee camp in Hong Kong for three years. Um, I remember during that time, they were allowing refugees to go out and work. And so my mother worked in a watch factory. Um, and um, I would stay behind the, in the camps. And, and very much like that photo that you see of little kids behind barbed wire. That was me, yeah. like, every day waiting for her to come back. Because oh, wow. um, like, we didn't have any other family. So, you know, if you could have just imagine like, a five-year-old roaming the camps by, by herself all day and then just, like, waiting for the afternoon to come and, and to wait for my mother to come back. Um, I know, that and that was terrifying. Kind of, I, I mean, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that if, if I understood more, it would have been. But, right. But... I, it, it it wasn't terrifying at the time as a kid. It was just what the day would be like. Mm. Um, so I mean, it, and I'm thankful for that because it definitely has shaped me as a person. I think that I definitely have grown up with a 
um, like a, you know, a sense of survival that is, that is mm-hmm. definitely very, um, you know, like, like you just, you're going to have to survive and what you do to survive. So, right. um, you know, we resettled to Australia. Um, I was eight at the time and then okay. just grew up in Australia where it was really nice and wonderful. You know, I mean, Australia is just such an amazing country. So you basically, just to recap here, you mm-hmm. left Vietnam uh, when you were three. You were in four. four. Okay. So you were in a refugee camp for about three years. Yeah. And then you moved to Australia when you were about eight. Um, Yeah. So seven, seven, eight. eight. Yep. And then how, what brought you to California and what, what really, what happened? I I understand you went to school in Australia. You got your education in Australia. uh, And then you came to the West coast of the United States. So what basically happened was I, um, I, you know, I, I was really lucky. I got into law school in Australia. Um, I went to Sydney University, um, which was at the time like the best law school that you can get into in, in, in Australia. And mm-hmm. I think it wasn't because I'm naturally smart, but I, I think I just worked really hard. And, you know, I came from a disadvantaged um, public school, and I think I was one of the only kids, you know, in our law grade that year that, that came from that background. Oh, wow. You know, like sitting sitting in class next to, like, the son of the Prime Minister of Australia at the time. You know, just, it, it was really quite a surreal experience. But um, I, so I, I completed my education in Australia. And at the time, um, I was working in bank, banking and finance litigation. And it was just, you know, not the warmest and fuzziest of occupations, I don't think. I mean, it, I'm, I, I'm sure it's amazing. And, and for people who were, like, who, who are really passionate about the law, and I certainly have a lot of, friends in law school who, who are incredibly um, talented and they, they love it. But like for me, I just, I felt like it just, it just, I, I remember thinking life has to be more extraordinary than this. Mm. And so um, I, I was at the law firm and it was late at night one day and my partner was there and I said to him, and he had just come back from um, vacation. So it was the perfect time, you know, and I was like, Hey, how do you feel if I just kind of, you know, went to the Philippines to do some volunteering for four months, and then I'll come back to the firm, you know, when when I'm done. And he was so supportive, and he said, go, and you'll always have your job. Oh. And um, so I went <laughs> I went to the Philippines to, you know, I basically did pro bono legal work in the Philippines for refugees, other refugees. Um, and, and then I never came back to the firm. So uh, basically how I ended up in America, I guess, is um, the the organization that I was volunteering for, they offered me the executive director position in Washington, D.C. So that was how I basically ended up in America and have called, you know, the U.S. home um, since. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so you live in Huntington Beach now, correct? Yes, I do. Okay. And then, so you also work in the entertainment industry in Asia. Asia. (laughs) Um, Yeah. How does that happen? How does that travel and everything affect your family life, yeah, your company. Right. So, so that's, um, it's so, remember when I said, you know, life has to be more extraordinary yeah. than this. I, yeah. I guess it, it turned out quite well. Um, to Washington, D.C., you have to stop by California. And Southern California has the largest hub of overseas Vietnamese people, like, in the world. And I remember, like, I, I dropped up by here and stayed here a couple of days, um, and at the time, there was this competition called Viet Idol that was being run by one of the largest entertainment company, um, Vietnamese entertainment company here. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, oh, yeah, I will enter. This will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they gave me a task uh, to get on TV to do the, the, the semifinals. And, and I, I didn't know, God forbid, I, I made it into the finals. And I remember not even having a dress to wear for the finals. Oh, um, so I, like two weeks later, I flew back to, to L.A. where the final competition was being held. And it was live on, on Vietnamese TV, which is also on Comcast and DirecTV. And, um, and I just, you know, I, I won that contest for very bizarre reasons. I'm not really sure how. Was this a <laughs> I mean, singing? that many contestants. So, no, so there were three divisions. Like there was a singing division. There was an MC, like a hosting division. Oh, uh-huh. And then there was a, like a comedy, stand-up comedy. And oh, I, I went for the MCs because, you know, I, I, I love to sing, but I was a really bad singer. And, and, and so I, yeah, it was, it was incredible. And, you know, I ended up, um, becoming a major, um, so I, I working for a major overseas Vietnamese entertainment company um, called Asia Entertainment. So it's like kind of like Sony Entertainment, but Asia Entertainment. Okay. And um, then for the next ten years, I got to fly all over the world to perform, you know, um, for Vietnamese people and and um, introduce. Like so, we would travel and and do musical concerts, and you know, I. We've even performed in front of like 60,000 people in Missouri. It's, 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 oh, wow. it's really very bizarre. Um, and I, I guess that's um, all of that kind of happened um, just before I had kids. And mm-hmm. um, when I had children, you know, I took a step back um, from from that work. Uh, also, our company kind of, you know, I, I think like a lot of entertainment business um video entertainment business, they didn't catch up with the online, the digital world fast enough. Okay. So um, so it was just the perfect timing for us uh, to then kind of then, you know, um, we had our baby and it was just, um, and that, that started a brand new chapter in my life. Um, okay. Yeah. So you mentioned in um, our email correspondence earlier about the idea that brought up Bubbles and souls, and it was during your postpartum depression, um, right? Yeah, uh, so that was one of the things that was kind of like you know not that didn't make the cut um, for the Shark Tank episode, and I, I think I just wanted to step back a little in that I think that I've always been quite um, driven and type A ish, mm-hmm. and so when I had Kaya, um, you know, I was on a plane two weeks later performing on the other side of the country. Like, I really didn't give myself enough time to recover. And then mm-hmm. I went back straight into full-time work, you know, quite quite soon after that. And um, kind of having this attitude that I can do it all and, and, and it was going to be fine. And right. I, I think that as, as women, I think we change a little after we have kids. It's, it's, it's quite bizarre. I, I, I mean, I, I, I remember being so conflicted. Like, I wanted to continue to be challenge professionally right. to also contribute financially to our family. Um, but at the same time, I got really angry missing out on her milestones because somebody else was looking after her, um, you know, while I was away right. at work. And so it was a period of my struggle um, during that time. And I, you know, I think that if there's one thing that I really wanted to communicate to people especially women and, 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 and mothers, young mm-hmm. mothers, is that, you know, you you definitely have to kind of give yourself time. Right. You know, post-baby post, post baby right. to recover, like, 
physically, emotionally. Um, you know, you, you definitely can't hustle your way out of postpartum depression. I can tell you that right. much. Um, <clears throat> and, and I think that I was definitely looking for something at the time. I wanted to be able to work on my own terms. I wanted to be able to uh, be professionally challenged, but on my own terms and, 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 and to be able to, to do that with my children involved and, and to, to be able to do that side by side with this role that I have now as a mother. Right. Um, and that was when the idea for Bubbles and Souls came up. Um, I, I was looking for, for, for something. And, and, and she was also at the time 10 months, so she was starting to stand and graze okay, yeah. and walk. And that was when um, we had this idea for Bubbles and Souls. So, re- that's a lot, yeah. That's refugee to getting a law degree and then dabbling in the entertainment industry, winning a really popular uh, Vietnamese <laughs> <laughs> entertainment show, uh, to being a mom and now a business owner. So, what I mean, your story makes it sound like you're 172 years old, <laughs> although you look very young. So, tell us kind of where. Um, well, I want to hear a little bit more about Bobbles and Souls and the business side of it. But before we jump into that, just tell us a little bit about, um, did you have any, uh, is there anything looking back at all that, all of those transition periods in your life that you, um, kind of regret or something that you really wish you had focused on more or you missed out on, or do you feel like it all sort of landed perfectly and got you to where you are now? You know, I, I think it's the, the, the final one that you said. I have so much gratefulness for everything that has happened. Um, I think that, you know, I think that there's been a lot of, I've done a lot of reading, uh, just like personal growth. And one of the things that's really resonating is, you know, I think the key to it all is not to hold on to things too tightly and to, to, to exist in the moment, to go with the flow you know, definitely to have dreams and, and to go after them, but but that, you know, to not be disappointed if something comes to an end or if something don't work out the way that that um, you had hoped. Because really, like, your whole existence is just how you react to it, right? Absolutely. And you can choose to react to it with so much um, um, regret and, and, and what if, or you could just choose to look at it as, like, such an incredible gift that has brought you to this this point in your life yeah. I mean I I think the only thing is that I I would just I I think I would just tell myself to you know to look back at that period when we first had Kaya our, our daughter our first daughter and just to say you know it's going to be okay take your time and take your time to be with her because like I know it's a cliche but they grow up so fast she's already <laughs> four Wow. <laughs> she just wow. turned four, and um, and get just just to just savor every single moment of it. Right. You know? yeah, yeah, there's something my stepmother told me when I was probably three or four. I used to have a lot of issues with asthma, and I would get these asthma attacks that would turn into panic-like attacks. Um, because okay. I was a kid and I couldn't breathe, of course, so I panicked. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah. she always told me this too shall pass. And that kind of stuck with me because um, sometimes the things that are uncomfortable, uh, it's important to recognize they will pass and they won't be there forever. Uh, and a lot of times people don't realize they 
can lead. I mean, I don't think my asthma led to anything good, but uh, a lot of other uncomfortable things in my life have led to really good, positive things in my life. And it sounds like the same for you. Um, at the time, you may have really been uncomfortable and you may have wanted to get out of a certain situation, but um, everything collectively led to uh, the success that you've had now and the success that you're having now and the life that you're that you're finally enjoying and uh, it sounds like everything's sort of falling into place um i you know i, I think that it yes thank you and it, it, it is and i think i think it'll continue to be a journey i think as a business owner there's always going to be a lot of challenges on your plate and I've certainly also met a lot of people who, like, from the outside, if you look at them, you think, oh, well, they're faded. But, it, but in the fact, if you dig deeper, I think that, you know, there are always challenges that they face. So yep. I'm sure that we're going to have a lot of challenges going forward. But I think that what I can control is how I react to those challenges. And I, I'm definitely working on, you know, making sure that I, I you know, I, I train myself to react, mm-hmm. you know, better. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's really good advice. And, um, I love it. So tell us more about the nitty gritty of the business side of things with Bobbles and souls. Uh, have you had a chance to interact with Damon yet? Your new business partner? Uh, (laughs) how's everything going post shark tank? Okay. So, um, Bobbles and souls. So we're now, so what are we? We're 2020. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we're here. We're here. So we've been on the market nearly a year and a half, coming up to two years. Um, you know, when we launched it, it wasn't perfect and we were still fine-tuning uh, the prototype, but I had a friend who was in product development and she looked at it and she said, she said to me, you launched too late, you should have launched earlier and I was like, horrified. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that must have been good advice that, like, you, you, you can launch a product even if it was not perfect and then really just work with your your customers um, and and. To, to, to perfect the product. And I think that um, with us, we're, I think we're now at a point where we feel like it's, it's definitely more controlled and where we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, when I had the idea for Bubbles and Souls, you know, firstly, I didn't realize how difficult the footwear sector is. Uh, now that I know that it is definitely one of the more challenging sectors that you can go into. Right. But, um, <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I wanted to build a product that was just, you know, I made it for my daughter, so I want it to be the best possible product. So we looked at, you know, different places to source the product and how to get it made. And at the end, you know, we landed in um, having it made in America, which is such a, which is such a privilege. And I feel so lucky to have found a factory that I could partner with to produce this this beautiful product. The, the material is made of soy and salt, which mm. is, you know, just just fabulous and it's very soft and it's, it's you know durable so I you know I, I take a lot of pride in um, some of the decisions that we have made in regards to the product even though it's not like the best for our bottom line but I also think that if, if, we're, if I'm going to be in it to just try to find the cheapest way to make it you know to, to get it to the market then you know there's already a lot of players in that field right. and I think that I am definitely looking for a mom who is um, looking at a product and, and, and looking for the values that we stand for, which includes, you know, sustainability, which which includes um, a shoe that is 
so much better for the environment and, and you know, a brand that really strives to do the best that it can for, for the environment, for the child. And, and you know, I, I hope that we've done that with our products. Um, but so that that's kind of all the the building of that brand and the thought process behind how we arrived at Bubbles and Souls. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at, at the products, it's, it's very intentional, mm-hmm. um, reducing the number of shoes that go in, in into landfill. Um, mm-hmm. And then post Shark Tank, you know, I think that firstly, I mean, Damon, we came in to the tank for in the first place and he is really, uh, you know, he is, uh, you know, he calls himself the people shark. Uh, mm-hmm. He is a, way more than that. He you know, he has so much heart and um just a couple weeks ago he was uh, here in Los Angeles on his way to Southeast Asia. So it was only a stopover for half a day and his team connected with us to um to to, to come and, and see him and, and, and spend some time with him. And that's just so you know, it just really speaks to the kind of person that he is. And right. and you know, when we sat down with him he definitely said to us, you know, I'm I'm I I'm here for the the entrepreneurs. I love the brand. I think it's cute. I think it's it's a great product. But above and beyond that, you know, who is like that? So, Absolutely. you know, it's, we we feel grateful. I mean, uh, post Shark Tank, I I have to, you know, it, it, so TV has also changed. You know how people watch it. It's not a case where like they watch it immediately when it first launches. Right. right. Um. So it's that's that's a little bit different, and I think that's really changed. Um. Um. Shark Tank a little bit and, and the aftermath, mm. but you know we've certainly been able to um, reach a lot more people than um, than we previously, and it's been it's been wonderful. I'm very grateful for that experience. Very cool. Yeah. So, and just for anybody listening, so the idea behind the brand is it's one shoe that you buy for your children, um, hopefully one time, right? <laughs> that they can you can change out designs and sort of accessorize them um, as they have different interests without having to throw the entire shoe away and waste. That's right. That's right. So, you know, um, baby's feet grow so quickly that, you know, they, they, they often outgrow their shoes before they've even had a chance to wear them. And if you have kids and particularly if they're little girls, then obviously they have little adorable outfits that they want to wear and, and, the shoes need to match the outfit. And then you find yourself in a situation where you need to buy a pair of shoes to go with different outfits. And and you have to do that all over again, like three to six months from right. now, because they're going to grow mm. out of those shoes. Right. So the concept behind Bobbles and Souls is that you need to buy the one pair of shoes that can take them from playground to party. So you take off the bobbles, they, they can go to the playground and function very much like a, like a, like, like the Crocs kind of of this world where, right. you know, they can play and, and it's it's fine, and then you throw them in the dishwasher, or you throw them in the laundry, and they come out brand new. And uh, if she's going to a party, then you just change out the baubles on top to match with the different outfit that she's wearing. So you know what we're hoping to also provide is just you know um, if you just buy the one shoe, it's more economical. Um, that's less shoes in landfill, mm-hmm. and um, above and beyond that, the baubles grow with the kids. So. We do get to have a very long relationship with our customer because they come back for the shoes. Like once they grow out of that size, they'll come back back for the next size up because they've already invested in these bubbles that they can use again. So, um, yeah, it's that's basically the concept of of the company. And 
So I'm a marketing guy and uh, what are yep. you, what are you doing to, uh, so, I mean, to me, it sounds like every, every mom or dad should uh, know about this product and should get it for their children to oh. save money, to save the environment. Mm -hmm. What are you doing for, to, to gain some brand awareness and I mean, obviously Shark Tank, I'm sure helped with that a lot. <laughs> um, do you have any plans kind of to scale and get more people to know about this product? Yeah, so Travis, marketing guy, where have you been all my life? No, but um, I think that one of my biggest problems definitely is um, is messaging the shoes um, because I, I do think that we have such a special, unique product. Um, I mean, like superficially, it's not that, uh, you know, groundbreaking. Oh, you can change out the shoes. I'm sure that's happened sometime, somewhere. But, but it's everything else that comes along with this shoe, you know, the, the fact that it's sustainably made here. Only 0.01% of children's shoes are made in America anymore. Right. You know, so we're in, we're, we've got a very, you know, small playing field right there. But yeah. the fact that these are patented, you know, soy and salt, like 75% of the shoes are soy and salt. Like, how cool is that? That's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I am kind of spending a lot of time now, and this is the you know, to really think about messaging. Um, up until we came onto Shark Tank, we had never spent any money on digital marketing. So all of the money that we had made up until then, it was kind of very much rested on the Vietnamese community supporting me. I was very lucky to obviously have um, a voice within the community who they really supported. And that was how we made a lot of our money in the first 12 months of the business. Right, right. Um, but um, so what we're really obviously looking at now is using um, digital marketing to really get the brand awareness. Obviously, Shark Tank was a really uh, is a is a big part of that journey. It also gives you a lot of um, validation, you know, because one thing about Shark Tank is the vetting process beforehand. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, my husband and I, we've I think between the two of us, we've signed like at least like five hundred pages of, of documents and and, and vetting and. They, you know, they know everything about us, including our blood type. So right. oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> there's just a lot of things involved um, mm -hmm. in that process. And because of that, I think that Shark Tank has given us um, credibility. Uh, and now it's just about kind of really finding the right way to, uh, like the right messaging and, and, and getting out there and finding, you know, you know, the, the right. Yeah, actually, uh, in fact. Yep. The, um, in, in terms of credibility and social proof, you know, I, I saw recently on Shark Tank, there was a, a little bit of like a fraud warning because there are brands that are pretending that they were on Shark Tank to skip over that, mm -hmm. uh, that hurdle that you went through, um, and basically try to get that social proof and the trust from the public. Um, and of course, you know, these are brands that were not on Shark Tank and they're just tricking people. So, I'd imagine mm -hmm. there is a lot of scrutiny and they're really making sure that um, what they're affiliating with their, their television program is something that's, uh, that's legitimate and it's a good okay. product. Yes. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to share with you this, but we got a phone call. So we applied um, and they came back to work in February and we got a phone call, I want to say in April. And then we were assigned two producers that who worked with us every single week. We had a phone call with them at the exact same time every single week for like wow. four months leading up oh, to the wow. pitch. You know what I mean? What, did and, you, what um, kind of things did you talk every about? Single week, well, it was 
every single week there was homework and there were things that we need to work on, um, whether it's like the, the, the one-minute pitch at the beginning, right down to the paperwork, all of the intellectual property. I mean, it was very far. Like, even even if like, you had a shirt on and if there was like a, like a little logo on it or something, it, 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 it had to be, you know, oh, yeah. um, signed off. So yeah. it was very, very thorough. And then obviously our financial background, banking history, like all of that was checked before, you know, we even had the chance to be considered for the show. And um, like, yeah, after they decided that they liked you, then there's that safe application. And and I'm not kidding you. It's like 200 pages per person. And every single person who was using the tax needs to fill out that application form. (laughs) And Duke was like, I feel like I'm applying for college. (laughs) 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 So it definitely was very thorough, but you know, they're really great people. I mean, obviously doing the work that they do, um, you know, there's a lot of outcomes that are not always, you know, what people want, right? So some of those people could be very angry and bitter towards the entity. But Shark Tank as a brand, I mean, they're just really great people and they've just got the processes in place to really take care of of everyone and you know um, I mean even post the pitch there's a there's a therapist on site to come and see every single person whether you got a deal or not just to make sure that you're taken care of you know and I just think that they're they're in the business of making dreams come true it is so um, cliche but it's true like all of the you'll notice now all of the executive producers are actually the sharks themselves. They're, mm-hmm. they're, um, and they're really doing this, not because of the fame of being on TV or anything. They're, they're doing this because they really want to harness entrepreneurship um, in America and in the world. And they really want to support and, and, and make dreams come true, you know, and obviously yeah. make money along the, along the ride. But, <laughs> of course. But, <laughs> I think they've, uh, all certainly, about the dream. they've certainly yeah. made an impact on, um, I, I, probably would guess that one out of uh, every two people, maybe two out of every three people I know uh, has a really good story of a Shark Tank episode that inspired them at some point uh, to start a business. So they've certainly made an impact in the community that I surround myself with. And I'm sure, um, you know, entrepreneurship in general has kind of become cool over the last decade, uh, which I love. It's, I mean, I don't think people really understood what an entrepreneur was 15 years ago. You're just kind of like the weirdo that worked all the time and (laughs) didn't go out with your friends. Uh, and now that's becoming cool. So I love it. Yes, me too. I agree. (laughs) So, um, wow. So you have an incredible story. Thank you very much for for sharing with us. Yeah. It's, it was awesome to hear the journey. You know, like you said, sometimes people see the end result and they see, you on Shark Tank and they're like, oh, she made it. This is easy. She's yeah. set. Uh, but there's a lot more to that. And it took a lot of effort for you to get there. And there's still, I'm sure, a ton of effort every single day. And you're still going to have um, problems that come up and a lot of sure. stuff that you have to deal with. And I'm happy that yes. you shared with us how you dealt with that and how you're preparing for it. Thank you. Actually, um, two days after Shark Tank, I wanted to share something really quickly. Um, I shared a, a, a photo, a snapshot of my um, my journal, and um, believe it or not, uh, if I remember correctly, I was just on the tenth of November. So on the 9th of November, 
2018, I started a journal of like goals. And the goal that I put down was I want to appear on Shark Tank um, and be cast for the show. Like I want to audition oh, wow. for the show yeah. and be cast and appear on Shark Tank. Um, and then, like, you know, the, the next thing on the journal was what to do. And it was literally like visit the website, um, <laughs> look at the application. Like, literally, I, and step I, I actually step. I think I have. Yeah, so I have the photo of that, that journal entry, and it was never meant to be shown to anybody, because you can tell because of bad handwriting. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, our episode aired on the 10th of November um, 2019, so exactly yeah. a year and one yeah. day after I, I made that first declaration that this was what was going to happen. Um, and, you know, I worked really quietly for a year um, towards that process, because I couldn't tell anybody about it because it was part of the confidentiality mm-hmm. uh, clause that we had to sign that, that we were not going to like even breathe the word shark right. and tank in, in, you know, in a sentence yeah. um, <laughs> until it aired. So um, it, it was really quietly working. And every day I worked on a different task that led me closer to that goal. But, you know, I think if there was one thing that I could share about this journey is definitely like if you if you have a goal that you really want to reach, like firstly you got to write that down, and then and then you take a step, no matter how small, every single day towards that, and it will be yours. Like mm-hmm. I, it just will be. That's just how it works. That's yeah. incredible. Pretty incredible. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's... Thank you. You can see that on the Facebook. I think I posted it on the Bowls and Souls Facebook, and and you can see a snapshot of that diary entry. It's okay. quite funny. Yeah. Awesome. We'll <laughs> share that on we'll share yeah. that on our podcast page as well with our listeners. That's pretty cool. I like how it worked out basically yeah. exactly as planned too. And it actually you didn't just uh do it, but it actually worked. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for paying attention. You can follow Lisa's company on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Bobbles and Souls. You can purchase the sustainable shoes at bobblesandsouls.com. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss a conversation.